Today on Com Talk, we're talking with Tom Montgomery, the man behind the webcomic Plasmatic. Rogue signal intercepted. Signal designation. Bees, views, and reviews. Signal host. Branson Boykin, initiating Com Talk. Hey guys, welcome to Bees, Views, and Reviews, the podcast that promotes faith-based, family-friendly comics and the creators that make them. Brought to you by Geek Devotions, a show by devoted geeks devoted to letting you know that you are loved. I'm B, and today we'll be talking with Tom Montgomery, who is the author and artist of Plasmatic, the psychedelic superhero from the 70s brought into modern day. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing great. Thanks, Branson. Cool. I'm glad to have you here on the show today. Yeah, glad to be here. <laughs> so why don't you, before we dive too much into Plasmatic, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us your the, the story that is Tom Montgomery. Oh, okay. Great. Um, uh, well, I guess, uh, I guess I would start with just saying, um, I, you know, I came to know the Lord when I was, uh, a little kid. I was six years old. I went to a vacation Bible school and, uh, heard the stories and believed and asked Jesus into my heart and, um, actually met the Lord, but I didn't, uh, really grow in my faith. Uh, cause I, I, we didn't, we were in a church going family. We just went on Christmas and Easter. So, um, when I was 14, I, I prayed something and God answered it. And I thought, wow, God must be real. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, um, started going to church, got a Bible, started reading it and, uh, growing in my faith. Um, as far as like um, my connection with art and comics, um, I I had comics as early as I can remember. My mom and my um, my aunts and uncles all bought comics for me since I was four years old. So I've always been surrounded by them, reading them um, back and forth over and over. A lot of Richie Rich and Casper comics at first, and then eventually superheroes. And um, and I drew which superhero? Um, what's that? Which superhero did you read the most? Uh, probably Spider-Man. Ah, my man. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can yes. probably see some Spider-Man and Batman qualities in my own character. I, I, you know, picked and choose, you know, different different aspects of the characters that uh, right. that uh, were really um, uh, part of my heart and mind. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but yeah, because um, but anyway, I um, yeah, I. I drew all the time as well. I was always drawing cartoons and, uh, I wrote stories. I was a very, very creative kid. And, um, and, uh, I intended to become an animator. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to go work at Disney when I grew up. And, uh, but, um, in my teens, when I started becoming really serious about my faith, I felt a call towards ministry instead. So I, I pivoted oh, wow. and, um, yeah, and I ended up uh, working in an inner city uh, ministry uh, in Chicago called Jesus People USA. Um, it's actually it was actually a really unique kind of place because it was a it's it's like one of the last surviving Christian hippie communes from the Jesus movement um, in the seventies. Ah. So so um, it, I liked it because it um, they seemed to really support the arts and creativity, which not a lot of ministries did. And, um, right. and so I, I worked there. I, uh, first I did just, you know, service type jobs, like driving the car and cooking breakfast. And then I eventually ended up in their publishing house, 
where I became an editor. And, um, and uh, through that job as an editor and uh, sort of sifting through all the manuscript submissions, I really learned to um, hone my own writing skills. And, uh, and I began writing. And, uh, and um, I, really, um, I really drank in a lot of C.S. Lewis's theology um, surrounding creativity. And, um, one of his, um, one of the things he said at one time was that all of his works are, are evangelistic. Some of them are front door evangelism and some of them are back door evangelism, uh, knocking oh, yeah. on the door of someone's heart first before mentioning anything overt about religion or Christianity or that kind of thing. So, yeah. so, um, I, I really took that to heart and that kind of, um, that kind of influences my own creative output as well. So sometimes I'll do front door evangelism. I'll do something that's obviously Christian, like uh, something adapted from the Bible, or or maybe um, or maybe a um, an allegory. But other times it's more woven into the story. The characters have to act. Um, they have a situation where they have to either act in faith or they doubt, and you know a lot of things that have immediate parallels to the Christian life. Uh, so, um, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to divert so much into the creative, creative aspect, but, um, oh, that's, that's, that's part of it. Though. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, um, so I worked at Jesus people USA for no money, by the way. Oh, something I didn't, I left out important was kind of important. I didn't want to go at first. I felt like God was calling me, but I didn't want to go cause I wouldn't be making money. It was volunteer work and I wouldn't right. be pursuing my education further. And I was like, there's no way I'm giving my up of my education to go work somewhere for no money. And, but I really wrestled with God and I felt like God had assured me that he would be faithful to me. And that if I gave up my education for his sake and for the gospel, he'd be faithful to return it to me. Um, it says in Mark a uh, hundredfold, <laughs> you know, right. and, uh, and so, um, so I went to Jesus people and I trusted that God was going to restore my education at some point. And after I worked there five years, I met a seminary professor who encouraged me to go to seminary. And, oh. uh, and I was like, well, I never completed an undergrad degree. I only have, you know, I only have like one year's worth of undergrad credits. And he's like, well, and you, of course, you need to have completed your bachelor's degree before you can get um, any kind of seminary degree. Um, right. you know, so, uh, so he said, "Well, you know, on occasion, on rare occasions, we make we'll make an exception based on life experience and perceived potential." And I oh, think wow. you have a lot of potential, and I think you should apply. And I applied, and I got into a master's program. And um, oh, wow. Yeah. And after living at that ministry, I wasn't making any money. Somebody gave me a car. Someone gave me some money. Someone offered me a job and everything just fell in my lap, you know, and I, I went, Jehovah I went Jaira. yeah, I know. And then I, and then I, I went to seminary and I got a master of divinity. Um, and I worked at a church in Chicago for another year. Um, I was, I was on staff. I wasn't the main pastor, but I was, I was on staff in their evangelism department. And, um, and, but after that year I'd been away from home for so long, I was like, I need to go back home. I've been away for, for too long. So I moved back home and I could not find ministry jobs anywhere. Um, I, I lived in Massachusetts. So oh. most, I don't know if you're familiar with Massachusetts, it's, but it's largely Catholic. So there's not oh, very see. many 
evangelical type churches there. Um, and the ones that are there weren't necessarily looking for a senior pastor or, or, uh, um, I wasn't really interested in being a youth pastor and I couldn't play an instrument. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I got you. yeah, so I didn't have too many options. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, I'll get to where I am now today in a moment, but, uh, so, um, yeah, so didn't know what to do. Ended up working in mental health cause it's a related field. Um, yeah. that was a really interesting time. I, I was there for three years, but, uh, Eventually, I just hit a wall, and it was it was terrible pay, and it was a high stress job, and I I finally I said to my coworker who was also a Christian I said Linda, I'm gonna pray today that God gives me a sign what to do with my life because I just feel like I'm on a treadmill going round and round and I'm not getting anywhere, and then I sat down and I opened my email and there was an email from Academy of Art University in San Francisco, oh and, wow, and it was a but. Um, apparently I had been looking on their website I never contacted them, but I was looking on their website and they somehow found my address and emailed me, <laughs> but, uh, big yeah, brother's so, still watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I got the email and I'm reading it and, um, and remember when I was younger, I'd wanted to be an animator and, uh, I was reading the email and it said, um, it said their animation department was located at 180 New Montgomery Street. And, and I, just, I just asked God for a sign, and here I am. I find an animation school located, their address is 180 New Montgomery Street, and I'm well, there Tom you Montgomery. Go. So, so I was like, oh, my gosh. And my coworker, you know, she was from Africa, and she was like, oh, it's a sign. You have to go to the school. And I was like, I know it feels like a sign, but I'm afraid. I can't go. And, um, and then uh, – as I wrestled with God over this next year, um, I just, uh, things kept bring, bringing me in that direction. I was drawing caricatures in Faneuil Hall Marketplace on the weekends, and uh, I was talking to someone, and I said, you know what? I like doing this better than anything else, meaning drawing. And I was like, oh, you know, I like doing this better than anything else. I like doing yeah. this, but I, I need to invest in my artistic talents professionally. I never have. And it's funny because I always thought of my pursuit of ministry was, you know, an act of faith. And it was, yeah. but in a way, I had lacked faith to pursue uh, using my, my artistic talents. So um, I, I realized, oh, wow, this is part of my faith journey. I need to invest in my artistic talents. So I quit my job, packed up my car, moved to San Francisco in the middle of that, that recession in 2010. And, oh, wow. um, and yeah, everything fell together. Um, I, uh, I found a job, I found a place to live and San Francisco is very expensive, uh, <laughs> but I found I a place to live and just, yeah, God really came through in so many ways. And so, so I went to art school. Um, I was majoring in animation. However, I, there were a lot of traditional art classes, a lot of drawing classes, um, a lot of you know perspective and and right. uh, and, and anatomy and uh, all that stuff, and um, also storyboarding classes, which is in a way it's like halfway between animation and comics. Um, right. And then I I suddenly had the realization. Um, I don't know if it was when I was still in art school or just finishing up, but had the realization that. I do love animation and I, 
and I've done freelance, some freelance, a lot of freelance animation actually, since I left school. But, um, but ultimately I want to tell my own stories. That's why I did this. And right. for one person to like do all the animating for their own stories, that's like a crazy amount of work, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So I just was like, what can I do? I know I'll make comics. And I figure if once I have like, um, a, a decent amount of comics of a particular title, like at least five, like at least five or six of that title, I want to start approaching studios to see if I can pitch a show. So, oh, cool. um, yeah, so that's kind of my plan. That's kind of my, but I always loved comics. And, um, and so it's very gratifying just to, to make them by themselves, whether I ever pitch them as shows or not, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's my story. That's how I got to where I am. I still live in California, um, just outside of San Francisco, north of Berkeley. And, um, and uh, I am doing the hustle, driving for Lyft and doing some other things to pay my bills while right. I try to work on my art and get my, my stuff done. So that's wow. me. <laughs> so it, it has been one big giant leap of faith after another, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's 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 makes the best stories though. You are actually the second uh, creator I've interviewed that has gone the comics to animation route. I had another guy I was interviewing. His name's Al Bowl. He's a local artist and author uh, here in Shreveport, where I'm from. Okay, and he uh, did a lot of comics and, and uh, did kid children's uh, children's books and things like that. And he just recently got into wanting to do animation that he's playing around with uh i can't remember what he calls it but it's it's a lot of a lot of using shadows like it's a white background and all of your shapes are like everything's it's like shadow not shadow boxing i i I can't think of it but it's it makes use of 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 uh shadows a lot but uh but he's he's looking into getting into animation and that kind of thing so that's interesting that's uh, the 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 two are so connected you were talking about uh storyboarding and uh, a lot of a lot of comics artists that i know have said that they've done freelance storyboarding yes for pictures and things because it it lends itself to that you're you're telling a story in these you know frames which yep. essentially is a comic book yes so yep. that that's really neat that the two are connected yeah, All yeah, right. it's really great. That way, I could kind of do both things that I love, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And then, when you do fi- pitch it to a uh, to an animation, you've already got the storyboards done. It's like here, just follow the comic. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about Plasmatic, okay. and, and where your inspiration for him came from, and, and kind of what he's about. Yeah. Well, um, initially. Um, so I first created this character uh, when I was when I was like a, a young teen. Uh, probably uh, I was probably like twelve or thirteen. Right. <laughs> he looked very different, of course, back then. But right. uh, <laughs> more of a circle head, and you know. But um, but we all start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that was that's how I I originally created him because I loved the Fantastic Four. And uh, yeah. the Fantastic Four are kind of modeled after the four elements, the four classical elements of antiquity, um, right. you know, and uh, and so, you know, the thing is Earth. He's made of rock. Uh, Johnny mm-hmm. Storm is fire. 
Uh, Sue Storm, even though she's not air, her invisible um, right. shields, you know, are, are yeah, like your has that your, air quality. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, and and Mr. Fantastic, he's not like water, but I guess you know he's pretty close. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's it's interesting you mentioned that. Did you ever read um, Marvel sixteen oh four? No, I have not. Uh, it's it's an older graphic novel, but basically, uh, Marvel took their universe and moved it back to like pre-colonial Europe. Oh, nice! And uh, the Fantastic Four. It was these basically these four shipmen who uh, got stuck on a boat called the Fantastic, and they got exposed to solar flares or something like that. But in that, uh, they're they're trapped in Latveria, and Dr. Doom or the, his, that version of Dr. Doom, he has this legend where he has a dungeon that's known to keep the four elements ah. like to imprison the four elements. And then when you get to the part of the story where you actually see him walking in his dungeon, you find out that he's kidnapped the fantastic four. Nice. And it, it lines up exactly like you described. Uh, the thing is in a prison designed specifically for rock. Johnny storm was, was fire. And then they said that um, the prison for Susan Storm was for air and the prison for uh, Reed Richards was water because I guess he's stretchy. He was more like yeah. water. Yeah. But, uh, they, they, ma- they made that connection. They, yeah, that each yeah. of the and rooms of the prison were for that. Right, right. And I don't know how I made that connection, but I did make it at a very young age for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I read a lot of weird stuff. So <laughs> I think that's how yeah. most of us got into this medium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, well, to springboard off of that, um, I'd heard that there was a fifth element and I was like, well, what's the fifth element, you know? And the fifth element supposedly was, uh, at the time I heard it was plasma. And so ah. I was like, oh, I want to make a superhero based on plasma then, you know? There and you go. But apparently I did not know what plasma was. <laughs> so plasma is like the th- stuff the sun bursts out of. It's like, it's like, you know, fiery kind of, it's like a fiery liquid kind of thing, I guess. Liquid. I don't yeah. know. It's very strange. And, um, and uh, I, in my head, I thought it was somewhere between like solid and liquid. So I thought it was like, like goop, you know? Uh-huh. So, yeah. so I made plasmatic. He shot sticky stuff. You know, he shot <laughs> out of his hands, right? And yeah. um, and so I'd had this character, and I'd made up some stories and villains and blah blah blah. But um, when I was looking for characters to develop further, when I was in, back in art school, uh, I was like, oh, why don't I redevelop plasmatic? But then I realized, oh, I, he shoots. He his name is associated with plasma but he shoots sticky stuff, which is not plasma. How do I get around this? And I suddenly had the crazy idea. I was like, wait, wait, wait. What if he got the powers of a fictional character that was written back in the 70s when nobody cared about the science? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And so so this modern version of plasmatic is... um, and that actually cr- opened up the entire story arc for my entire plan. My plan for the whole series is surrounding this 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 sort of development. Is that um, so? It starts out. Stanley Stickler is a he's an out of work actor, and uh, he goes to help his friend who owns a comic book store. Uh, he wants to help promote the store, so he puts on a plasmatic costume, and he goes out and he's you know 
um, promoting the store, holding a sign about about a comic sale, and something happens. He's struck by this electric blue bolt um, of energy, and he gets the powers of the comic character Plasmatic. And he can't get the suit off because you know the goop is sticks to the suit, and so right. he's stuck on him. And he's you know he's like, what is happening? He's shooting this sticky stuff everywhere, and and uh, and eventually he learns to control the powers and the villains from the comics start showing up and he's like, this is crazy. What's going on? He fights the villains and, um, and, um, suddenly, um, there's, there's an epiphany moment that, uh, his friend from the comic store is like this expert, um, this expert nerd, you know, this Uber nerd. Right. And he, he knows it all about the comics and all about, um, you know, a bunch of other things. And, uh, and he um, he ends up telling him how he's supposedly defeats some of these different villains in the comics. So he starts using that knowledge, like, "Oh yeah, you defeat this guy by taking out the monkeys first. He's this um, this uh, one villain, um, Carjack. He's a uh, you know he steals cars. He's right. he's got um, some some grease monkeys that are his sort of stooges that go out and they've got wrenches and." little baseball caps and and uh and so um so yeah so so he tells gives him different tips on how he defeats each villain and what their weaknesses are um because he's got sort of an inside track through the comic um so he's like a he's like a not evil mr glass from unbreakable oh I don't remember what happened with mr glass from unbreakable um oh okay um The the very first movie, I know that Shalomon did a whole trilogy, but in the very first movie, uh the main character finds out he's like indestructibly strong. Okay. And he meets Mr. Glass, and Mr. Glass is obsessed with comic books. Okay. And so he's telling the guy, This is part of your story arc. You're gonna meet this villain. You're gonna experience this thing. And oh. so basically because he knows all about comics, he's like uh like a, a, a go-to wise sage for the guy. Yes. Yes. But, okay. but then you find out later that, he's the villain. Uh, yeah, he's the villain. He's like, okay. he's d- deliberately creating these tragedies to create the situations that would create comic book heroes, that kind wow. of thing. Yeah. But I, I, I love that. I love that you've taken uh, a guy like us basically yeah. and made him the resident expert for the hero. Yes. Cause like, you know, it's like, yes, yes. Oh, I've read this a thousand times. This is what you got to do. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's the, and I made him like, I really poured in my heart in designing that guy too. You probably saw him. He's the guy that's bald on top with the, the huge orange um, hair on the sides. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I connected with that. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh Wendell Wartman is his name. And, uh, and he's the comic shop owner, resident geek. And he is, he does function sort of as an Obi-Wan as a, as a, um, you know, mentor character. Um, but I, 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 he's also a comic relief. So he's, he's a mix between comic relief and, and mentor. And he's a little bit out there too, you know, cause, uh, so here's an odd thing that came up. Branson was, um, I, uh, I, part of the discussion they have is, um, 
They're arguing about whether the things that happens to Stanley and getting his getting powers. And stuff, they're arguing about whether it was an accident, you know, was if it was a coincidence or is there someone mm-hmm. behind all this, you know? And uh, I wanted to play with the whole concept of, you know, how do we know, like, um, how do we know that uh, God's in control, you know? Um, right. And and so the the classic argument about um, uh, the cosmological argument for God's existence and um, uh-huh. and uh, part of that argument de- eventually delves into something where they're talking pe- the pe- the person who's against faith or Christianity would would argue something about um, a room an infinite a room full of inf- an infinite amount of monkeys typing on typewriters. And, um, and eventually they're going to type out Shakespeare. That's sort of the argument. And that eventually, eventually you have so many possible mutations, so many possible things can happen in the universe that eventually you're going to get a world where life exists and people are there and all that stuff. And, and that's a classic like atheist argument, but there's some big holes in it. You know, it's, um, one of the biggest holes is, um, Shoot, I, I I didn't I didn't polish up on this at the moment, but when I wrote it, <laughs> <laughs> when I wrote it into the script, it it, it yeah. directly sort of paralleled the argument as to why why we should sort of why we why it makes more sense to trust in an intelligent hand behind these things rather right. than chance. Um, and uh, I, I feel silly now that I didn't uh, brush up on my thoughts about this before talking to you. But it's a, it's well, a long time ago good. since I wrote this. But it's um, in the book. That's the important thing. It's in the book. Yeah. So that <laughs> argument is in the book. And um, oh, but oh, the weird thing I was going to say too, though, um, to make him a funny character, I I had him believe some like goofy YouTube things, like um, like lizard people and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> and you know, and I made a couple jokes about that. But now nowadays, like oh. Conspiracy theories aren't that funny anymore. They're kind of, they're kind of right. scary. It's kind of a bad. It's a problem now. And I, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that when I wrote that story. So my intent was not to go to those places with the character. But I don't know. Who knows where it's going to go next? But um, there you go. But anyway, uh, yeah. Cool. All right. We are going to take a short commercial break, and when we get back, I want to talk a little bit more. You kind of stepped lightly into incorporating some of your uh, your faith into your artwork. So I want to step on that a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. We will be right back. Okay. In a world where live-action movies reign supreme, two awesome dudes are keeping things animated. If you want to hear a couple of animation nerds gush about the movies they love, then hop, run, or fly on over to The Cellcast. Available on most podcast platforms. Hey guys, welcome back to Bees Views and Reviews. I have with me Tom Montgomery, the author and artist behind the superhero Plasmatic. And uh, before the break, you were talking about uh, bringing some of your some aspects of your faith into your storytelling and your art, uh, specifically about arguments for the existence of God, the cosmological argument, and, and that kind of thing. In general, what role does your faith play in your work? I know we talked about uh, C.S. Lewis of you know is it a front door evangelism or a back door evangelism thing? 
when you sit down to write, to what extent does your faith express itself in your in your writing and in your artwork? Yeah. Um, so it, it is really important to me that my faith is somehow expressed. But it's funny, the way it comes to me, it's not always obvious at first when I start writing it. Um, sometimes the, that element just sort of crops up as I'm writing or as I'm working, wrestling through it. Mm-hmm. Um, an example I have of that is actually from a, a different project of mine. Um, can I say that now or should I wait? Oh, on? yeah, go ahead, go yeah. ahead. So, so one of my other projects is a video game. Uh, it's not the, it's still being, uh, the programmer is still working on the development, but, um, but it's, uh, it's called Frank the Fork. It's about this fork racing across a landscape of dirty dishes to rescue his girlfriend, Cordelia Spoon, from the evil Sterling Butter Knife. And, uh, and so, um, so it's a video game. It's like an endless runner game. And he has to jump over like the fire coming out of the toaster and, you know, various oh, appliances nice. and rotted food. That's like zombie creatures. And, um, so he, he <laughs> makes his way across this crazy landscape in the kitchen. But when he gets to the sink and the sink is called, it's called faucet crossing and the sink, the water coming down from the faucet and the two bars of the handles where, where you turn the water on and off, um, end up looking like a cross. Oh, and, nice. when he, and when he gets into the water, he stop he stops for a moment and you hear, Oh, and he gets an extra life. And then he, keeps Oh, going, wow. Know? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> so very subtle, you know, but yeah. it, just, it just made sense as I was making, it. I'm like, wait, wait, this could be a cross. And, you know, and <laughs> what should I do? give an extra, that's perfect. You know? So, yeah. um, yeah. So that just sort of naturally bubbled up in, in the, at first I was just focused on creating an imaginative world. I wanted to take something ordinary and make something magical out of it, you know, and right. but it eventually, it eventually led to that opportunity to step in with my faith as well. And, um, plasmatic, um, the running theme is, um, predestination and free will, you know, ah, yeah. uh, and, and faith. And it's funny because so much of the comics within the comics predict what's going to happen next so he tries to follow them like a text you know but then then things don't quite end up the way they do in the internal comics and so so it's like oh they almost do but not quite but maybe they did you know and it's (laughs) the the real life struggle we have in our faith you know right like um we're expecting the messiah to come and deliver us from our enemies the romans right you know and messiah comes and oh well he came and he delivered us from our enemies, but it's not like we thought. Right. <laughs> and so he delivered us from sin, not the Romans. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I, I try to, so I, I strongly try to uh, lean in to those questions with plasmatic, um, you know, two, two areas in particular where he's going to struggle are um, there's uh, so one of the villains in the comic they say that villain ends up killing him in the mysterious last issue, what they think is the last issue. And so, wow. and so he works on reforming that villain so that it doesn't happen. But uh, that villain ends up reforming and becoming like his partner, sort of a superhero sidekick. But oh, wow. uh, yeah, but the problem is he's got a terrible temper problem and events start going in the direction that he may end up killing him, you know? Oh. And, so, <laughs> and so it's like, like, can you really stop what's supposed to happen or not? You know? And right. so, so, so that's like, and, and in regards to this villain, his name is Obadiah Redwood, the wooden man. 
and he uh, uh, is this big wooden guy and uh and he um and he wears like a wife beater t-shirt you know yeah <laughs> and, and <laughs> tough uh, guy Ugh. yeah he's a, he's a big wooden guy with a spiky head and he's uh and yeah he's a tough guy but anyway he's got an anger problem and so um yeah so so they're struggling with you know is this destined to happen is am i destined to be a bad guy is what obadiah redwood struggles with you know um or can right. i or can i turn my life around you know um and then uh and then uh the so that's like fear for your life kind of life and death and the other area is love and that he uh in the comics um he marries uh there's some fantastic fantastical stories and he ends up um, marrying the grown-up version of Alice from Alice in Wonderland, and so oh. um, and so he's like, well, that's that can't happen, you know. The, right. the guy in the red, he's like, that's fantasy. But then all these things start happening that, oh, maybe it will, you know. He he ends up meeting a a rock star um, who uh, her her band is Alice in the Wonderlanders, and, uh, oh. <laughs> and she's like a you know. Uh, and so he thinks maybe it's her, you know, and then and, right. but maybe it's not. And, and all these different things happen. So, so yeah, so I like to play a lot with the whole faith and, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. Free will that faith. reminds me of, uh, did you watch the, uh, X-Men cartoon that was I popular did. in the nineties? Yeah. There, there's an episode where, uh, Gambit, Wolverine, Rogue, I think maybe Jubilee, they're vacationing through Europe and they meet Nightcrawler for the first time. Uh-huh. And throughout that whole episode, uh, Nightcrawler is, is talking to Wolverine and obviously Wolverine has anger issues and rage issues. Yeah. And uh, the whole time that they're having these conversations, people from the village are convinced that Nightcrawler's presence is the reason some evil thing is happening in the village. So they're having to deal with, with, uh, you know, fear of the unknown and that kind of thing. But the whole time, Nightcrawler, who's essentially a monk, yeah. is, is is speaking about faith and about, you know, believing in a higher power and that kind of thing. And at the end of the at the end of the show, there's this beautiful picture where Logan is kneeling in a church reading from the Psalms. And wow. uh, and at the end he kind of bows his head and prays. And I mean it, it's an X-Men cartoon. Okay, right. I mean, it's the the purpose of the cartoon was not to share the gospel at all, right? But in the midst of all of the the things you have with X Men, you know, it's talking about uh, fear of things that are different and and racism yeah. and, and and that kind of thing. I mean, all the stuff that you expect to see in an X Men adventure. But then we've also had this beautiful conversation about faith that's woven throughout the story, and yes. uh, it, it was a it was a really a, a great. I thought it, it was my favorite episode of the series, uh, yeah. and. and that Nightcrawler is also one of my favorite X Men, yeah. but uh, but uh, the the way you describe plasmatic going through these situations and, and dealing with these things, it, it it reminds me very much of that. Of you know, it's not a it's not a sermon, right? You know, there, there's there's not going to be a Bible study questions at the end of the story, right? But the events in the plot make you think, right? Yeah, exactly. They make you wonder. You know, yeah, we've got superheroes who could shoot goop out of their hands or whatever, but they're dealing with things that apply to us in the real world and things yes. we have to think about. Yes, exactly. That That's my intent. Yeah. To, to tap into how does that, what does this say about our own lives? Yeah. Yeah. But dude, in a fun genre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of the genre, as I was looking through the comic, 
I was getting some really, really strong, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle vibes. Like, <laughs> like just the art style. It, it, it felt very much like a, a Saturday morning superhero cartoon. Right, you know, right. uh, so is, is that is that what you would call your style, or do you do that specifically for that comic? Have you dabbled in any no, other styles? No, it pretty much is my style. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very, I have a very discernible style. All my friends in art school. I mean, I'm considerably older than my peers that went to art school now. So, so like they didn't watch the cartoons I did. So. Um, so, but I was strongly, strongly influenced by Hanna Barbera, as you could tell. Oh yeah, everybody uh-huh. can tell. Like it lists the squiggles in the shape of the squiggles in Wendell Wartman's hair. That's that's uh-huh. that's so Hanna Barbera. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely have some strong Hanna Barbera vibes. Yeah. I have some um, uh, some Archie vibes. I have some. Um, uh, I yeah, I've I've. I would say a little bit of, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, uh, Warren Kramer, you know, that's the, he was the Richie rich artist. Yeah. Warren, a little bit of Warren Kramer, a little uh-huh. bit of Walt Kelly, uh, Pogo. Um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm influenced by all those different styles, but yeah, that is, that is my genuine style. You see there, that's kind of how yeah. I like to draw people and characters and yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I growing up, my drawing was 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 comics. Uh, I got my first comic when I was well, the first one I remember having. I might have gotten them before then, but the one that I, that sticks out in my mind, I was maybe six years old, and it, it was Amazing Spider Man drawn by Mark Bagley. Oh, nice! And, uh, so to me, when I decided I wanted to learn how to draw, that was the the style that I chase after. And so as yeah. a result, everything I draw looks like a comic book. Even when I'm trying to not look like a comic book, yeah, it still looks like a comic book. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I started with Garfield and the Smurfs. So <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, and you see that, you see that come out. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. I was listening to a, a panel of comic artists and uh, Roland Paris was one of the artists there. And that's something he said is you can always tell, what first got a person into art in the first place, because they carry elements of that into their style. Even if they don't end up drawing that particular style, yeah, they carry those elements in like, uh, Alex Ross, uh, that artist, he used to love, uh, I can't think of the guy's name. No, Nor- Norman Rockefeller, Norman Rockwell, Norman Rockwell. Yeah. Yeah. The, the guy that did like the Thanksgiving dinner painting yes, and, and that yes. kind of thing. And you can see that in the oh, way yeah. he does his artwork. It very much lends itself to that style. Yes. So, so I mean, I, I think that's great. That's that that you take something that you loved as a kid, yeah. and you bring it out into your, your your artwork. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's what it is. It, I mean, I know. I'm even even when I read other you know comics, superhero comics, I'm especially drawn to the ones that are a little bit toony. You know. I, yeah. I like you know, a, good, a good dose of tune mixed in. So like, I don't know if you're right. familiar with, um, what's his name? Ed McGinnis. Do you like his art? Uh, I'm sure I do. Remind me what he did. So he did, he did Superman for a number of years. I believe he's doing Avengers now, but he did Superman and uh-huh. he did Hulk for a number of years, but his particular style is very distinctive. He's got these really uh-huh. square jaws and these huge mouth shapes uh, okay. and, these, yeah. and these round eyes. And it's just, 
It's just toony and fun. Uh, very, very round Superman, Superman muscles, you know, it's like, yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, 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 um, yeah, it's definitely what I'm drawn to. And I think, I think a lot about actually, I think one of the questions you'd, you'd give me was, uh, um, uh, what would I compare it to if, if, um, if Dino Mutt and, uh, and Blue Falcon had been a regular comic series that continued, I would compare it to yes. that. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I used to watch the, uh, the TV show that was the, the races. Oh, the wacky um, races. Oh, the oh wacky no. races was it wacky races or was it, um, there was also a race one that was Scooby-Doo based. It was a laugh Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I remember the Falcon and Dynamut being contestants. Yes. And I would always root. Yeah. 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 I would always root for them because they were the ones that, that looked the most serious out of all of them. It was like, <laughs> oh, there's the superhero. I want to root for him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cool. Cool. All right. Now, I know you mentioned that you've you, obviously you've got Plasmatic the comic, and then you've mentioned you've got your your video game that's in development. Uh, yes. Forky, what, what was his name? Uh, Frank the Fork. Frank the Fork. I'm yes. sorry. That's my, okay. my my, uh, my kiddos are into the Toy Story thing, and and right. so we we watched Toy Story four not too long ago. So I've got Forky on the brain. Right. <laughs> Frank. All right. So Frank the Fork. Do you have any other projects that you're doing right now? Uh, yeah, I have one other one that is that is close to being. Uh, I'm gonna try to release it by, by uh, Kickstarter. It's um, it's actually a Bible-based card game called Bibliodeca. And um, oh wow, yeah. <laughs> and so I designed all the characters on it. Basically, what it is is um, I turned various um, books of the Bible into suits. I like created a symbol for that suit. So, so the Genesis suit is, yeah. So the Genesis suit is apples. And, um, so I took, um, uh, I, I got quotes from Genesis one through 10 and I put them on the numbered cards, one through 10 of apples. So, you know, so apples five has a quote from Genesis five, apple six has a quote from Genesis six. And then, uh, and then for the, face cards the characters i instead of just doing jack queen king i did jack prophet queen king for each book um so there's four face cards for each book and uh and and i ended up doing 12 suits (laughs) there are 12 suits and and 48 face cards and some of those books were quite a challenge for instance the book of i tried to do two of every genre so i've got like genesis exodus Joshua Judges, Psalms, Proverbs, um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Matthew, Mark, and uh, Romans, First Corinthians. But uh, cool. so there's yeah, so there's 120 verse cards, and then there's 48 face cards. The face cards though were a challenge because um, like Jeremiah, Book of Jeremiah doesn't have any women in it. I'm like, wait, there's no women in the book. How do I find? How do I make uh, the queen? Of, how do you do a queen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so I did pots for Jeremiah for the symbol. It's a it's a green pot, and it's it's basically because he goes to the house of the potter, and oh, you know right. has that word about um, God is a potter. We are clay, kind of thing. So, um, right. so yeah. So I made pots for the symbol for Jeremiah, but I was like, who? Do, what do I do for the queen? And so then I, um, uh, I did some research and found that there's a cousin of Jeremiah who's a female prophet who, even though she's not mentioned in the book of Jeremiah, she's got some relation to him. And, uh, and she lived the same time as him and prophesied. 
and her name's Holda. She's mentioned in the Book of Kings. And apparently oh, okay. um, when when that king, I can't remember which king it was, maybe Josiah, one of the kings had found the Book of the Law in the, mm-hmm. in the temple. And yeah. he wanted to ask a prophet, oh, what's going to happen? You know, is the Lord mad? What, what do we need to do, you know? And he decided, so according to Jewish tradition, this part isn't in the Bible, but Jewish tradition says the reason the king went to Hulda instead of Jeremiah was he was hoping that because she was female, she might give him a nicer answer. <laughs> but she gave him a really side. depressing answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So, so Hulda and uh, uh, Zechariah and for the, the king, Hulda's the queen, Jeremiah's the prophet. And uh, then for the Jack, I've got uh, Ebed Melek. I wanted to include more more um, uh, black characters. So uh, Ibn Melek is the Jack and he's um, cool. a character in Jeremiah who helps Jeremiah out of a well. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, all the, all the different suits for the, for the um, gospels I chose for symbols. Um, I went the classic route. The gospels were often associated with the various um, four living creatures from the book of revelation. Um, uh-huh. And so um, I've got, um, a lion symbol I designed, a blue lion symbol for Matthew, and a blue bull symbol for Mark. And um, yeah, anyway, Romans, I wow, did Nero cool. and his wife, Octavia, for king and queen. Paul's the prophet. Timothy's the jack. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Cool. Well, yeah. when it uh, when it goes live, let us know. We'll definitely promote it. That that sounds really cool. Actually, uh, my... Uh, my son is into cards. He likes to do magic tricks and stuff like that. So oh, right, he's right. always he's, so he's always looking for for new decks of cards to play with. So that'll be that'll be right up his alley. Oh, nice, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm hoping. All right, it, well, yeah. Go ahead. I was just saying, it seemed like uh, a fun thing. I mean, it's a fun game, but also it's um, it's like a learning tool too. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, if people want to find you on social media. Where can they go to find you? Yeah, um, I have an Instagram. Um, it's Tom underscore Montgomery underscore Media. Um, okay. Tom Montgomery Media. That's my that's my um, Instagram handle, and um, you can also find my Facebook page. Uh, it's just it's just Tom Montgomery Artist, <laughs> but you can find it as uh, I guess the what's it called? The URL is uh, facebook.com forward slash good tunes with a Z G O O and Z. Yeah. Facebook.com forward slash good tunes. That's my, that's my artist page. And you'll see all kinds of, you'll see Frank the fork. You'll see Bibliodeca. You'll see um, uh, some of my animation work. You'll see plasmatic. So all that's on there. Um, Okay. Yeah. Great. And my, and my, Portfolio site, uh, tmontgomerymedia.com. So. T, t- Say that one more time. Sorry, tmontgomerymedia.com. Okay, tmontgomerymedia.com. Great. Well, we will drop all of those links in the description so you can make sure and go check those out. Plasmatic is written and drawn by the wonderful Tom Montgomery. Um, now, your first issue of Plasmatic is on Webtoons, correct? Yes, it's free to read on Webtoons, or you can purchase a hard copy on Indie Planet. Okay, great. And we will drop those links in the description so you can go check that out. Thank you so much for tuning in today, guys. Thank you, Tom, for being with me on the show. 
Thank you. Be sure to follow. Be sure to follow Geek Devotions on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole thing. Also be sure and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast catchers and leave reviews. We like to hear feedback. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, stay devoted, peace and love.